to go ahead and introduce yourselves, like your titles, all that good stuff. Um, how you ended up on the Freedom Rider International Monument team? Uh, sure. Yeah. So I am Chris Butcher. I'm the superintendent of Freedom Riders National Monument. I'm also the superintendent of Birmingham Civil Rights National Monument. Um, I got here uh, October, the end of October of 2019. And I'm actually the first permanent superintendent uh, in these positions. There were four actings um, since the parks were established in January of 2017 uh, by outgoing President Barack Obama. And then I was the first permanent superintendent in October 2019. So I've been here uh, <laughs> well done since then. Um, and I came from the uh, Chesapeake and Ohio Canal National Historical Park uh, in Hagerstown, Maryland. It's about 185 miles of Western Maryland Potomac River frontage. And so um, I was the chief of business management there and then managed our administrative side. So our contracting, our HR, our budget, um, you know, all of the administrative tools and tasks that needed to be done, uh, IT, um, fleet, all that stuff. Um, but that was actually my first, I got there in 20, yeah, 2017. Um, so I, prior to that, I spent the first almost 10 years of my career with the U.S. Forest Service uh, in Ohio, and then spent a couple years in the U.S. Small Business Administration in Philadelphia uh, between there. So I've been with the federal government for 16 years, I think, 16, 17, something like that, and um, have really, really enjoyed my time with the uh, with the National Park Service. And so uh, this has been a, an amazing assignment, one of the hardest most challenging assignments I've ever had, uh, but it's been unbelievably rewarding. And I've had the privilege to um, find people like Jessica all over the country uh, and then snag them and force them to come uh, to Alabama and help me out. So. <laughs> force them to Alabama. That's I'm from right. Florida, so I, I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica, how about you? Uh, so, yeah, my name is Jessica Epperson, and I am the park ranger at Freedom Riders National Monument. Uh, I came here from Washington State and North Cascades National Park. Um, and before that, I was at the Chesapeake and Ohio Canal with Chris. Actually, that's how we originally met and kind of how I ended or not kind of. That's how I ended up here. I was the education specialist um, at Cno Canal and at North Cascades. So I kind of came here to uh, develop education programs for Freedom Riders National Monument um, <clears throat> and help kind of just to be a resource to teachers in the area um, to, you know, provide them for us to be a resource and to provide them resources um, to teach about the Freedom Rides and to teach about civil rights. So that's... Okay. So what's like, I know this is clearly a very involved issue, but what exactly was the Freedom Riders movement for our listeners that may not know? Great question. Um, I think because a lot of people um, have at least a very narrow understanding of a much bigger uh, movement. And so um, the Freedom Rides started May 4th of 1961. They were 
a um, there was an original rise that happened about a decade before um, to do a very similar thing. But the intent was to test compliance with a Supreme Court decision, uh, Boynton v. Virginia, that outlawed segregation in interstate travel. So it was a very narrow decision that that, uh, targeted a very narrow um, kind of method of segregation. But a, a, a very important and, and significant ruling nonetheless. And so there were 13 original Freedom Riders. They were um, men and women, uh, white and black. You know, they're a very integrated group. Um, and, and they started in Washington, D.C., and their intent was to travel throughout the South and end up in New Orleans um, and, and testing to see if, in fact, um, the, the buses as well as the bus depots, stations, lunch counters, uh, bathrooms, all of those things were actually integrated or if they're um, they still maintained that separate, uh, you know, white, black um side. And so as they made it through through most of their trip, um, the the response was to either desegregate and integrate while they were there and then go back or you know they had, they they didn't have a lot of um, resistance uh, in uh, Rock Rock Hill in South Carolina there was a little bit of a, of a dust up but um, nothing too significant. But when they got into Atlanta, they did get some intelligence that there was potentially some issues in Alabama. And so when the Greyhound bus pulled in uh, to Aniston, it was immediately stopped by a large group um, led by members of the, the Ku Klux Klan and um, did not let anyone off the bus. They, they shook the bus and, and slashed the tires and um, kind of, you know began to accost and, and, and assault the bus. Um, eventually, the bus was allowed to to leave. But if you if you visit the the bus depot, right, the Freedom Riders National Monument, and you can stand in the actual alleyway that this occurred, and if you can just envision being on a bus and these tall walls and the, you know very tight space, just how terrifying that would be. And they were eventually again able to uh, to get out uh, of the the alley and, and head towards Birmingham. But they were followed by by the same mob, and the tires eventually gave out about six miles outside of town, and that's where the iconic, horrific photos um, that we see, where um, the a window was busted out, a Molotov cocktail was thrown into the bus, and the bus caught on fire. <laughs> And originally, the door was being held shut by those individuals. Sadly, I guess, luckily, um, there's an explosion which made the mob back off so that the folks on the bus could get away. And not everyone on the bus were Freedom Riders, right? And and, um, But there was, again, an intention. um, to, to really to do something really horrific. And then when those folks got off the bus, they were assaulted physically um, and suffered you know, smoke inhalation. And again, uh, thank God that these events were, were chronicled and photographed so we can truly see just how um, harrowing that experience really was. Um, 
and there's another bus there's a greyhound bus and there's a trailways bus and it came a little while later uh they they didn't have the mob but there was a group of folks that got on the bus and assaulted physically and verbally the freedom riders and then as that bus made its way into Birmingham and when that bus arrived in Birmingham, there was an agreement between Bull Connor and the police and the, the Ku Klux Klan and the mob that they would have a set amount of time to do what they wanted to do um, and assault and, 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 and beat up and intimidate uh, the Freedom Riders. And again, luckily there are some photos to see just how horrific um, that was. And uh, again, not to to go through the entire story, but right. um, those those horrific scenes, the photographs, they sent chills throughout the country and the world, and it actually inspired others, uh, Diane Nash, and, and and so many others, to pick up the cross and continue the rides. And so, you know, a group came down and they got on a, on a bus in Birmingham and, and headed into Montgomery where, you know, John Lewis and, and so many others, um, went into that Greyhound bus in, in Montgomery and experienced a very similar, um, assault with crowds and mobs. And, um, again, unfortunately coordination between the mob and the police that uh, allowed this, this to happen. And it kind of forced, uh, president Kennedy, and, and the Attorney General Bobby Kennedy's hand to 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 activate the National Guard and the U.S. Marshals um, to try and keep people from murdering these these peaceful protesters who are literally just trying to exercise the rights that were given to them. Um, and. Uh, as the rides continued, um, another kind of well-known event is in uh, Mississippi, where hundreds were arrested and sent to Parchman Prison. Um, but all in all, there were over 400 Freedom Riders and over 50 rides throughout 1961, and all of which were uh, designed to bring light to this injustice, right? The, the Supreme Court had said that this is not legal, and they were just trying to exercise the rights that were given to them, um, and it was... Again, and, and so often that was met with incredible violence um, and, and uh, you know, and, and just hate. Um, and, it, you know, and, and so many of those folks, you know, in 1961 and those efforts um, brought worldwide attention uh, to what was happening in the United States in the middle of the Cold War and um, helped change the dialogue. I mean, how can the United States be a moral leader in the moral compass to the world when it's depriving its citizens you know, what we would, wouldn't even consider as being an issue, right? A white person, a black person crossing a state line. It's not even something we register in our heads, but was so, um, you know, important uh, to, to so many. And um, and these events obviously went on and inspired um, so many of the other events that we would see throughout the civil rights movement, right? This direct action, nonviolent method of um, fighting for civil rights and bringing attention to the the reaction and the response that that 
got so often um, is is really why the the freedom rides are so significant and so important and and unfortunately right so many of those conversations that are were relevant in 1961 and 1960s in general we're having some of those conversations now and I think it's important for us to understand that those lessons that we learned then we can also apply and and, and think about in the context of the discussions we're having today. Oh, definitely. <clears throat> I don't know how many of our listeners are local have been able to stop by. Uh, the Freedom Rise National Monument is now open. Uh, if we want to talk about, about what they can expect when they come and when it's when it's available for them to visit. Yeah, so I'll let Jessica speak a little bit more to specifically what they can see, but I will speak to, you know, really quickly. Um, when a, when a new park is established, especially when they use the Antiquities Act, which is what the President Barack Obama used to designate a national monument, um, you know, it's there's not this windfall of resources that are magically transferred to to make and, and stand up a new national monument. So it takes a lot of time. There's a lot of planning and a lot of infrastructure and things that happen. You know, I was the first, you know, permanent employee uh, in Birmingham. There was a ranger. Um, in Anniston, but that was it for a while. Um, and, and both of us got there in 2019. Um, and so just in the last really six months, um, we've brought on Jessica, we've brought on a, a ranger in Birmingham, uh, some administrative support, um, some interns. And so really within the last six months, we've been able to have the infrastructure and people in place to actually provide some of the things that people look for and expect um, when they visit a national park site. And so Jessica can speak to some of the specifics that we've been able to accomplish uh, in Anniston you know, this year. Hi. Okay, so yeah. Um... The biggest thing that we have accomplished this year really is opening the bus depot to the public. Um, up until April, <clears throat> it had been closed um, since the park was established. And so now it has been cleaned out and set up as an exhibit space. <clears throat> we recently had the um, City of Hope exhibit there, which is a um a poster exhibit through the Smithsonian. And now as of this past weekend, we have the Freedom Riders exhibit, which is a Gilder Lehrman exhibit. And that will be there uh, through the end of the month. And, and we're hoping that this um, exhibit will rotate. So we have several different exhibits lined up throughout the end of this year. And as we continue to work on plans for the, what it will look like, and as we you know, get the funding to to do the restorations and things like that with the park. We hope to continue to keep it open for the public so that we can continue to teach and and be and start to be that resource that I mentioned before. Um, the exhibit is open on Saturdays and Sundays from ten to five, and um, it will be open this Friday from eight a.m. to eight p.m. as part of the 60th anniversary. Um, and the only other thing that I can think of right now that we've done is the Ranger Reads program in the library. The first of the month, the first Tuesday of every month, we read books about civil rights with kids in the library here in Anniston. That's it. Anything, Chris? 
Uh, no, I mean, yeah, I think the, the biggest thing is that the, the depot is open. Our Junior Ranger book, we just unveiled um, this month, which, uh, yeah, you know, again, we're so gracious. Uh, you, you are so gracious and we're so thankful, excuse me, uh, of our partnership with the chamber and, their, you know, your willingness to help us there. Um, we are um, installing some new exhibits, obviously, at the chamber and at the burn site. Um, and, and so, again, it, it's a work in progress. This isn't the end result, um, but in the intermediate, you know, intermediary uh, between getting the depot and everything to where we want it to be. Uh, and now we really wanted to provide some opportunities for folks because we know they're visiting, right? We, we see them in the alley and they come into the chamber and they're getting their passport stamped and all that great stuff. Um, but we wanted to provide them an opportunity to really connect and engage with the story, uh, you know, with in the, with the way the Park Service does that, right? We're the nation's storytellers, and so we wanted to provide an opportunity for folks uh, and us to connect and hopefully connect them with the story. Deal. I know. So <clears throat> this is a like you said a very big week for uh, the National Monument. We've got the 60th anniversary. So I know with COVID still going on and also with the age of some of the participants, we wanted to keep them safe, but there are some festivities being planned. So what, what can the public hope to participate in while still remaining distant? Absolutely. Yeah, no, you're, you're exactly right. This is, a, this is huge, not only for us as the monument, but more importantly, the reason the monument was established was the, the efforts and the actions of these heroes, these men and women. And so, yes, we're, we're trying to honor and remember um, what they did and, and what they've continued to do. So many of them who are, are still with us and we're so lucky to have them um, are, are continuing um, even now to, to fight for for equal uh, rights and equality and, and so many of these things um, that, that we want to see happen in our society. And so. But yes, our, you know, there were a lot of people, I think, that were disappointed we couldn't uh, meet in person. But I think you having erring on the side of caution and, and wanting to be, um, you know, respectful and, uh, and, and if anything, uh, the last 12 months, we've learned to be flexible, right? And so right. Um, trying, trying to use those lessons that we've learned um, is to provide virtual experiences. And so... Um, also, too, while while May 14th is a very significant date for the Freedom Rides and for Aniston specifically, the Freedom Rides happened all through the year. And so, you know, Jessica and I and, and the team, we've worked really hard to try to kind of highlight this week, right, or this date around May 14th, but also build out um, other events throughout the year so that we can, you know, kind of remember um, what's happening all year long and also working with so many other partners and and organizations that um care about this story and these people um you know we're not doing this in a vacuum when the park was established the intent really was for it to be a collaborative effort um whereas i think a lot of the traditional model of national park management is you have a big square of land and the park service owns and manages all of it and it's kind of um the end-all be-all within this sphere of influence and i think that's um a, a, a new model that the park service is working on with a lot of new sites is to come alongside and work with 
with local um, government stakeholders to really make it a, a, a unified and collaborative effort. So, you know, we're working with the city, with the county, with, you know, local groups and organizations um, because, we, again, we want to walk hand in hand uh, as, as, as one united effort and not just be kind of out by ourselves on a walk. And so, again, I'll let Jessica speak to kind of the specific things um, that we've got going on this week um, and more broadly this year. But, um, but yeah, that's really kind of the heart and the intent with what we're trying to do uh, to remember the 60th. <laughs> So for the 60th, the we have the Freedom Riders cast has arrived here yesterday. They are over in the depot today um, rehearsing. They we have plans for them to do their performance, record um, their performance, and it's not going to be shown this week. It'll possibly be shown the next week by the end month um i think we're going to release one thing a week if we can for the rest of this month but um the major thing for this week is that we have the luminary lighting on friday and the luminary lighting will take place at the burn site and again this is a virtual event um only the people who are participating in the luminary lighting will be at the luminary lighting um and every it'll be live streamed so we'll have a link posted on our Facebook page um, to so that people can watch it live. And that will consist of the Freedom Riders cast, Anison High School Choir, um, and a few speakers. Um, and then light filling that burn site up, we have 430 plus luminaries that we will be placing in the field this week. And we will light those up on Friday. So that's kind of the big thing for this week. So just to be clear, when we say Freedom Riders Cats, there was a musical that was created, I believe in 2017, called Freedom Riders, the Civil Rights Musical. And so we were um, fortunate enough to be put in contact with the creators of that show, and they have been gracious enough to um, come through partnership. Uh, there are generous donations made and, and collaboration with, with organizations um, locally to, to make all of this happen um, to and, and to finance and, and work through the logistics of bringing the cast in, uh, to Aniston this week so that we can record those live performances of that musical. And so um, we're really, really excited and honored to to have them here with us. And then the luminary lighting is we got one uh, lantern or, or luminary for every Freedom Rider that participated in the rides throughout 1961. So there are more than 400 luminaries that will be um, installed in the at the burn site in the field there. Uh, and it will be lit every evening uh, starting on the 14th. Uh, for the rest of the month, and if it's well received, uh, and, and you know we may extend that, uh, but but our plan right now is to have it uh, for the rest of the month. Excuse me. And so again, trying to honor uh, the 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 legacy in 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 different ways. And so we've also been able to partner with like Jacksonville State University uh, is helping us record and edit. And so it really has been uh, a team effort. Um, the city. Uh, of Aniston received a grant um, to help build kind of the National Monument. And so we're also working to bring in the muralist who uh, uh, did the mural uh, on uh, of the Greyhound 
bus as well as the trailways bus uh, to bring him in to restore the Greyhound bus mural. Um, mm. If you if you visited the alley, um, it's a little worse for wear, unfortunately. Some of the bricks are popping off and things like that. So um, it really is a collaborative effort. Again, we've got um, waysides being installed at the chamber. And so all of our partners and all of the people that really care um, so deeply uh, about this story and about Aniston, right? You know, I think it's really challenging when a community is defined by its worst day. And I think, you know, our, one of the things that we want to do is not just, again, highlight this terrible thing that happened, but highlight really the the, the growth and, and the reconciliation that is occurring in, in regionally, uh, you know, statewide, nationwide, um, and, 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 and hopefully help us again to kind of move past um, th- this, this terrible event, uh, but, but recognize its significance, but not again, define a people or a place or a thing by its darkest day. And I think all of these events hopefully will help us in a very small way try to do that. Wow. I love that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I was I was gonna ask um, my next question, but I feel like I just got the answer. You know, if there's one thing you wanted people to know about the Freedom Riders National Monument, and like you said, the movement as a whole, you know, what what would that be? Yeah, I would say for me personally, there are, there are a couple things. One, obviously, is yet like we're, none of us are defined by our worst day, right? And I think um, even even though it was a large group, it's not everybody in a community or everybody in a city, everybody in a region. And I think it's really easy for us to paint in very broad generalities when we tell the story, and that's not our intent, right? Our intent isn't certainly to 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 cast a, a, a disparaging or negative light on anyone. It's really to tell a story. Um, our job as the Park Service are to be nation's storytellers, not to assign value or right or wrong. Um, but our charge is also, again, to try to foster this reconciliation and recognize that there, there are issues that as a people, right, as, as a nation, as Americans, that all of us have biases and, and, and issues that we need to address and look, in, look inside so that we can all be better people. I think the second piece is, um, I think for so many of us, when we're taught the civil rights movement really broadly, we're taught that it was an inevitability, right? It was going to happen eventually. These people did these really amazing and important things, and eventually everybody kind of woke up and and did the right thing. But I think when you and you also, I think we fail to to recognize the interconnect, excuse me, interconnectedness of all of these different um, events, and we see them as one singular thing, and don't see the tapestry of of the intent and the organization um, that that really occurred. And um, it it wasn't an inevitability. Um, you know, these people didn't know how it was going to end. They genuinely were putting their life on the line, um, not because they knew they were going to win, but because they knew what they were doing was the right thing to do. Um, and, I, and I think that's a really important lesson for all of us, right? Not just for equality and, and, and race or, or, or whatever, but in just in life, standing up for what's right, even though we may pay consequences for that, is still the right thing to do. And I think it's an important lesson for us to try to communicate in some way. Jessica, you got your most important thing you want people to know? 
Um, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Um, um, I think I've said this many times, maybe not to you, but to other people (laughs) that, that, you know, when we are in school, I grew up in going to a public school and, you know, a lot of these topics that are so important have been glossed over. And so a lot of the knowledge that we should have, we don't have. Mm -hmm. I think that just realizing that, I mean, we're not the only one. There's I mean, the Reconstruction Era, Birmingham Civil Rights National Monument, the Megram Murley Evers Home, all of these different sites that were established in 2017 that are that all speak to the civil rights movement. And and so I think the thing that is most significant for me that I would want people to take away is that there are so many invaluable resources in the park service now that are that that are available to the public so where they may have been not provided the appropriate knowledge in school now there are sites that can speak to all of these uh, different events and all of these different significant people throughout the civil rights movement and so you know you don't necessarily need to rely on google search anymore not that it's not a valuable resource or or wikipedia right but that there are, and, and we're all building up, like Chris said, these are all established through the Antiquities Act. And that means that they're going to take some time to establish and really be the resource that we hope that they are, or that, they, that we hope that they will be. But that, you know, with some time and some patience and some money, that we will eventually have be that resource for people and especially for teachers. I mean, I was an educator um, and that is the thing that I am the most passionate about. And so being able to provide those resources for teachers so that they feel equipped to teach is, I think, one of the most important things that we can offer as the park service. So that's what would be my takeaway. And if I can just piggyback on what Jessica said, I think a really important thing as well is, you know, there's obviously there's power in reading about a, a story and then seeing the, the the pictures, but it really can be compared to hearing Hank Thomas tell you what happened while you're standing in the place that it happened, right? And I think that is that that has the ability to be transformative in a way that reading about it just can. And so I think, you know, for us as the National Park Service, our intent and our charge is to try to use and engage so many different learning styles and, and so many different mediums to tell this story in a way that can connect and inspire future generations. Oh my goodness, we all, I think we've had a great talk this morning. You it's just made my Monday perfect. I'm so excited <laughs> about what you have coming up this week. Um, and, you know, visit Callum County and the chamber will be sharing uh, the content you guys are putting out, like as far as the link uh, for the, the live luminary. And as a reminder to listeners, this is a virtual event. Right. Uh, unfortunately, you can't attend in public. I just want to stress that. Um, right. Yes. Thank you guys so much for speaking to us this morning. I know you guys have busy schedules and I, I appreciate you taking the time out of this hectic week to talk a little about what you're passionate about so we can share that with our 
not just our members, but those in Calhoun County too, that can hopefully stop by on the weekends when the exhibit's open. And like you said, see that for themselves. Um, but yeah, is there anything else you want to touch on or? No, just again, thank you so much for this opportunity and for this partnership. Um, and, and you're right, please come see us. Uh, you know, we're, we're open when we can be, and we hope to expand that. We've got a wonderful group of volunteers that we're training and working with to try to expand um, that access. And, and hopefully um, we're, we're toward the tail end of this COVID thing as we all <laughs> Uh, work towards being our herd immunity and fully vaccinated and all the things um, like that. But yeah, our, you know, we want everyone to be safe and 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 certainly healthy uh, as as we move forward. But yeah, please come see us. We're really excited about the things we've got working uh, and coming. And it's just the beginning. You know, Jessica is is just an unbelievably um, wonderful. Uh, resource and worker and she's got so many great things that we're working on and we'll be sharing those as uh as we're ready to so we're really excited well perfect as always if you need anything from the chamber please do not hesitate oh sorry what were you saying jessica we're only as good as those who allow us to do the things that we do <laughs> so when you have good leaders it's it helps i'll pay you for that later thank you, thank you. that's right <laughs> We do have, so like like Chris said, we have volunteers. Um, and if anyone wants to follow our Facebook page, it's Freedom Riders NPS. And um, we have an Instagram that is brand new, so it doesn't have a lot of content on it, but we're working on it. Our YouTube page will have... <clears throat> all of the videos and links and stuff too so anyone who's really just interested in following the park and the story can use those resources to find us um and you know just kind of like subscribe to youtube and you'll see what we're posting as far as freedom riders musical cast is concerned and the luminary lighting and all of the other things even the we'll start posting the ranger reads on there once we start thing on there and i apologize actually i did totally slip my mind um we do have a podcast coming out that we're we're unveiling um oh. yeah through the through again through a wonderful partnership um with with several local organizations the freedom riders park board uh and others um we were able to get roy wood jr uh birmingham's native son um mm -hmm. to interview charles person and talk about his experience uh, as a freedom rider and so we're going to release that video hopefully this week um and it's going to kind of we're also using it to that to kick off um a podcast format that we have and so um we've got several other um episodes that we're we're ready to release um throughout the year we're hoping to do it once a quarter um okay. but but this will be a special one and so uh so again it goes back to we're trying to to utilize different mediums and avenues to do that that podcast interview with Charles Person should be released on May 17th, which is next Monday or this coming Monday, however you say that. Okay. <laughs> oh, I know. It, it's Monday itself, so it's just kind of you got to get back in the back in the groove. <laughs> so, and if anyone wants to volunteer with us, um, <laughs> Well, I'll have links to all your, your socials and all that good stuff in case. Um, I'll try to put the schedule what you guys have planned in there, too. I know after this week, it might be a little outdated, but um, hopefully it's a good resource for everybody that wants to get involved. But, yes, I just want to thank you again for joining me, Chris, Jessica. I will see you again soon, I'm sure. I can't wait to see the new exhibit before the end of the month. I'll have to stop by again. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely.
getting a, I talked to Lawrence this morning and your kiosk should be installed on Thursday. <sighs> Look at that. Yeah. We got a Freedom Riders gift this week. <laughs> That's right. That's right. No, Ashley, again, thank you so much. This has been an absolute pleasure and uh, looking forward to doing it again soon. Perfect. All right. Well, y'all have a great day and Thanks, a great too. week. Yes. Actually. Appreciate it. All right. Take care.